I haven't been able to go a lot of places, a person said. Instead, now FaceTimes with several LGBTQ friends. Um, you have to express yourself through queer pieces of art, through painting, commissions, and working in clay. And um, I don't get that. You have to do that regardless. I mean, what does the pandemic have to do with artwork? Uh, unless they just now started taking up art since they were, what, quarantined or... I don't know. Fewer outlets under the COVID-19. So um, they try this uh, place tries to tackle this issue with clients and therapy support network. Um, I guess it was different for everybody. They say they can't just come out and have a parade. They can't just. Why not? Uh, I only meet during the pandemic. During the pandemic. But since when have they done it? Uh, before the pandemic. So are they saying on October 11th they used to have parades? I mean, it's, if that's what they're saying, that on, on October 11th they had parades, and that's when the people would come out during the, the national, parade. Right, right. I think so. I do but, believe. But to who? I mean, unless it's covered on TV and you invite the folks to the parade, I mean, how would they know that you came out? I, I, I don't get it. And then they say that coming out as an LGBTQ can be particularly fraught for people of color who may already feel at risk in their daily lives. Huh. <laughs> Come on. And so then the coronavirus adds another layer on top of that. I don't know. Um, so you, what they need is peer support to be able to navigate through this. You know, you have to find your community, find your people, find groups that can enable you. You have to do that anyway. Um, and then at the end of this article, it says, something I think is important is allowing people to have their own unique process. The coming out process is so sacred. <laughs> Carve out a space and be deep in curiosity. That has nothing to do with the pandemic. I think some people are afraid. They're afraid whether they're quarantined or whether they're safer at home or whether there's no restrictions. They're just afraid. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. Anyway, another piece of old news is that, remember we were talking about that film Cuties and Netflix? Uh, oh, yeah. I thought they canceled it, but I guess Netflix was indicted by a Texas grand jury because of the film. The, this charge, they say, Netflix, is without merit, and we stand by the film. So they've been indicted on a criminal charge that alleges the streaming giant promotes lewd visual material of a child. You know, Cuties is about these little girls in very compromised, sexual compromised uh, positions and I don't know how you would say it, um, exhibition, exhibition. So they're, um, they're partially clothed or they're all clothed, but it's how they move and what they do that gives you, it's, yeah, it's porn. Okay. It's porn. So um, while they were defending that, um, 
Then I saw an article say that Netflix canceled, uh, I mean, people were canceling their subscription to Netflix over this cuties controversy. So they have experienced a spike in cancellations that's about eight times the normal rate due to the outrage, outrage over the controversial film Cuties. But so, I don't think that they're going to, they might pull it, but I don't think they are because for every person that cancels, there's somebody who's naive enough, don't know what's going on, don't know anything about the, the movie Cuties, who's signing up for a membership. It's still on there. Right, it is. It's still on there, because I went on there, and it's still on there up for viewing. So if you want to watch it, it's still available for you to watch it. So they really haven't, you know, took it down or took it away or nothing like that. So I don't know. You know, uh, Netflix is saying that they're defending the film as an effort to spread awareness about the dangers of sexualizing children. So they sexualize the children in order rather to... Rather than glorifying the practice. <laughs> uh, uh, a real understanding of how it works. <laughs> and they say that it's an award-winning film and powerful story about the pressure oh. young girls face on social media and from oh. the society generally growing up. And yeah. we'd encourage anyone who cares about these important issues to watch the movie. If they say award-winning, who, who awarded them? I mean, they, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't it's say. A, it's an award-winning a movie. You say, yeah, okay. It doesn't say. All right, another article that was sent to me, and uh, it says that one over four in ten American Christians say that the Bible is ambiguous on abortion. It's not clear. They don't get it. They just can't feels. figure it out. Oh my they goodness. just don't think that God said that's a sin. Oh, well, they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the findings were released recently as part of um, the uh, Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University. American Worldview Inventory 2020 survey. Well, the Lord recognizes a life as a life, and one of the worst things that you can do when the Lord was sent, uh, when the people came in to punish the children of Israel because of their sins, or when the Lord ordered that a nation be punished because of their sins, was to uh, kill the mother with the child. Now, the Lord acknowledged that it's a baby. You know, and so he acknowledged that it's a it's a harsh punishment. And when he said that he knew uh, a person before they were even born, while they were still in the womb, right? That you can find in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, and it, it talks about how God knows us before He formed us in the womb. You talking about right? Moses? Psalm one thirty nine. 13 to 16 speaks of God's active role in our creation and formation in the womb. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 to 25, says that you get the same penalty, which is death, for someone who causes the death of a baby in the womb as for someone who commits murder. Right. About the, and that's, that's the horrors of, of war, because it's about the only time when you will see where children... Well, the Lord called, uh, not all innocent. Now, some of the Lord has said, uh, you take the young with the old. But for those that are innocent, the innocent blood, 
I mean, and just not limited to children, there are people who are unjustly killed. But for a child who has no voice, no say so, that's innocent blood. And the United States is going to have to give an account for all this bloodshed. So going further on in this article, it says, you know, the pro-abortion advocates such as Joyce Arthur of the Pro-Choice Action Network have argued that the Bible clearly states that life and personhood begins with breath. And this argument has appeared on abortion clinic websites and promotional materials in response to religious objections to abortion. Obviously, fetuses do not breathe and therefore cannot be considered as human beings according to the Bible. They're crazy. I mean, what scripture did she quote from? The Hebrew word for human being or living soul is nephesh, N-E-P-H-E-S-H, which is also the word for breathing. And this word, nephesh, occurs 700 times in the Bible as, identi as the identifying factor in human life. And she's still silly because she doesn't know the baby has to breathe, even though the baby's in the womb. The baby is still breathing. If the baby wasn't breathing, it would be a, dead. It would be a still dead. dead right. Even in right. even in Genesis, when he said uh, he created man, he breathed a breath of life into the nostrils of man. He became a living soul. Right. So when when the baby is attached to the mother, and just like life began because somebody breathed into them, so a child, a baby in the mother's womb. Is breathing through the, through the uh, mother, but the point is, it's breathing. The baby is breathing. That's, that's crazy. Interesting, though, that people believe that. Yeah. That the Bible isn't clear on what it. Well, they follow the leaders because they're not reading the word themselves and they're not reading in faith. Or who knows what kind of uh, Bible they're reading. Translation. So, they're yeah. Reading. That's true too. All right, so you know who Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, who she is? She's a Democrat from um, Congressman, Congresswoman from New York, and she rebuked Republicans for using matters of faith as an excuse to advance bigotry and barbarism. Barbarianism. Bar B-A-R-B-A-R-I-S-M. <laughs> Barbarism. Okay. Barbarism. We're going to take some English lessons pretty soon. <laughs> so according to The Blaze, Ocasio-Cortez made the accusation after the first day of the confirmation hearing of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, where several Republican senators defended Barrett's Catholic faith against attacks of religious bigotry from the left. And so the Democratic senators warned that if Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court, Republicans would have the ability to push far-right policies such as overturning Roe v. Wade in the name of religious freedom. And I, if, I think and it's if you like, put a, a person who's onto the left of the issue, they would push the opposite. So what difference does that make? I mean, what are they trying to say? Because if they could, they would do the same thing only to their on their behalf, you know, to support their beliefs. And it's supposed to be impartial. It's not supposed to, it's not supposed to be because of a person's 
personal stance. What they might believe personally would have nothing to do with how they rule according to the law. And they're trying to say that she won't be objective by all the other Democrats that are sitting there on the uh, on, under the Supreme Court uh, uh, board, are they being so objective? She, so she feels like Republicans would reject Jesus today if he repeated his teachings right now in Congress. No, they wouldn't. He would be maligned as a radical and rejected right out of these doors. Wow. What, what example did, did they give? That's her opinion. Yeah, exactly. So she's entitled That's to her, her remark. Right, she's entitled to her opinion, but there's no factual uh, basis for what she's saying. And then she says that uh, Republicans use faith as an excuse and they use to oppose abortion while they neglect other important issues. And they use non-faith as an excuse. No, some of them use faith too. To strike down abortion. No, I don't say they can use faith. They're not talking faith if they're talking about taking innocent life. They're talking non-faith, but they're trying to make you think they're talking faith. Just because you say God and the Lord and Jesus doesn't mean that they believe or that God, the Lord, or Jesus is in anything that they're doing. It's a smokescreen. Anybody who could be dumb enough and evil enough and base enough to believe in full-term abortion, they need to put them in a nuthouse. So uh, Ocasio-Cortez retweeted a post by Muslim Representative Omar, who's a Democrat from Minnesota, who claimed that religious conservatives would reject the Supreme Court nomination of a Muslim woman because of her religious background. Let's be clear about this. Would they? If a Muslim woman was nominated to SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, you would see Republicans lose their minds about her religious background. Are they sure of that? Well, then the Democrats... Sharia law would be trending right now. Then when they get the opportunity, then the Democrats should nominate a Muslim candidate for the Supreme Court. As long as they're going to be packing it, <laughs> nominate a Muslim candidate. I bet you they won't. Why? Because I do believe Muslims hold life sacred. Anyway, moving on about some little bit of politics, Joe Biden spoke, you know, um, re, re, I don't know, did everybody listen to that town hall that he had no. recently? He spoke in defense of transgender rights. Who did? Biden, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, at a town hall that they held on uh, It came out like Milton Burroughs just dressed in drag and just, you know. Good. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Biden's support for transgender rights highlighted his empathy and some fumbles with language. So <laughs> he was trying to figure out a way how not to slip on the ice because he was going on a slippery slope when he knew it. <laughs> he highlighted his empathy on, on the issues as well as some of his struggles with the language around them. And his answer to a mother who asked how he'd guarantee protections for her trans child, he emphasized that he'd roll back President Trump's executive actions, including a measure that bars transgender people from openly serving in the military. He then went on to condemn the murders of transgender women of color. 
Eliminate those executive orders, number one. There's no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied by your daughter. His positions on trans issue were, as long as they have been, a stark contrast to Trump's approach, which has included outright attacks against the rights of transgender people, including rolling back an Obama-era mem memo directing schools to protect trans students from discrimination and reducing protections when it comes to health care discrimination. And, and then Trump was never asked about transgender rights during his town hall. Um, right. Unfairly. And what I, what I would like to know is when they say discrimination, because I am pretty sure even the Trump administration isn't for a person being discriminated against or being bullied or, or, or persecuted. You know, so if a person takes that stand and then someone uh, comes and unjustly tries to harm the individual, I'm pretty sure there are laws in place to protect the individual's right because everybody has a right to safety. Everybody has a right to feel like they have as much equality or freedom within the United States. It's just that because you have that freedom doesn't mean that I condone your lifestyle. But you have a right to be protected. You have a right not to expect somebody like uh, they've done so much in the South uh, where they lynch people or where they burn them out. You have a right not to expect somebody to attack you, not to expect somebody to threaten you. You know that that's every um, to me an American's right. Right. But you can't force me to accept your lifestyle and say that it's okay. That's all it is. They just trying to force you to. Uh, make it right and it's trying to really take away the other person's right to disagree right to agree and that's that's not right that's not right right exactly so he's he's got his fumbles you know biden has and he he when speaking about the work of his late son Bo biden he described a person in his office as a young man who became a woman but a trans person doesn't become a person of a certain gender that's who they are Bo was the guy who got that got the first transgender law passed in the state of Delaware and because of a young man who became a woman who worked for him in the attorney general's office. So Biden didn't mention the woman's name, but trans woman Sarah McBride, now a candidate for the state Senate in Delaware, worked closely with Bo Biden. And McBride posted a tweet in support of Biden following the town hall. Biden's campaign didn't directly address questions about Biden's comment regarding Bo Biden's former staffer. A tension between Biden's policy proposals and the language he's used has been evident previously as well, such as when he criticized for, he was criticized for making off-color jokes and for pretending to kiss CNN anchor Anderson Cooper, who is gay, at a town hall in 2019. He might not have been pretending. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> As LGBTQ advocate Charlotte Clymer has written, Biden has a strong record on LGBTQ rights. In 2012, he said discrimination against trans people is the civil rights issue of our time. And that same year, he became the first national leader to publicly support marriage equality. So he's proud of his unmatched record advancing equality, inclusion, and acceptance for millions of transgender people in America and around the world. Uh -huh. so, she says as president, he
he will build on his legacy and center the Biden-Harris administration around the I just think that they lived experiences of the transgender community. Right. Well, I feel there's a transgender community out there, and if they choose this, that's that's their option. But they can't force a person to accept it as being normal. And if a person believes it's abnormal, you can't change that person's belief, just like they believe that they are normal. It's just that it's going to get very confusing when they go to generation and and we go to X, it, and whatever. <laughs> you know, that's just going to be too, too confusing. Well, I think this will be our last uh, topic for today. Uh, someone sent this from Christian Headlines. So I guess recently there, Trump, President Trump participated in a call to prayer phone conference for people affected by COVID-19. And he was uh, giving his sympathies to the families that have lost someone. He said he lost five friends to COVID. And he encouraged viewers saying, God hears our prayers and he's always with us. He'll help us overcome this challenge. Um, and then he, you know, uh, I guess maybe touched on the fact that he had COVID and he tested negative. Now, but in his closing remarks, Trump thanked God, thanked the Lord for working miracles, and asked God for the wisdom and the grace to continue to lead our country and to lead it at the top level. So Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, hosted the prayer call and told viewers that prayer calls would continue every Sunday going forward at 5 p.m. Um, the charismatic, several charismatic leaders that are, you know, uh, behind Trump in the White House uh, participated in the prayer call. And um, so I don't know where you, where you uh, I, I don't know how you can find it, yeah, the prayer know. call. But I think this will be our last um, topic. We'll have to continue with some more politics next week. Praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Romans 15 and 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus. Now ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, which is the first commandment with a promise? And what is the promise? And the answer is, honor thy father and mother, so it will be well with you and so that you may live a long life. The answer can be found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, and it reads, honor thy father and, the, and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. This week's food for thought is, what is the will of God concerning you? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. <laughs>